Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Good morning. How many of you guys are proud to live in the country that we live in today? I definitely want to thank those of you who have family members, close friends that have absolutely paid the ultimate price that allows us as, a, as Christian and believers to get to do what we do right now, was, was free to be able to just talk about God and things like that. And I love seeing our community, man, I mean, our community, by no means, there's no such thing as a perfect community, but this one, this one is good. I mean, have you guys noticed our, our, our city, uh, just the people do such a good job with flags and displays, just paying homage to those who serve. And, uh, and my heart just absolutely goes out uh, to those of you. And thank you for those who do continue to serve. So we just, I want to give you guys a clap. Thank you guys so much. So I'm going to try to get through a, a lot of content in, in a hurry the best I can uh, today. Um, we've been going through a series called Letters, and we're kind of just breaking down books, books of the Bible. Pastor Josh uh, has done such a really good job talking uh, about Paul in 1 Corinthians. And today I'm going to be kind of covering what he was talking about in 2 Corinthians. And these letters, even though they sound the same, they're not the same. There's, there's, there's different points as to why Paul wrote these letters. Now, I, I like to think 2 Corinthians is written based on explaining things to teenagers. Because there's no way you can explain it one time and it makes sense, right? It's, what do you mean, right? You can, I mean, I'm just saying, like if you dealt with one half a second, I am just, you know, I, I would have thought after getting to deal with students for so long in student ministry, by the time I had my own kids and they become teenagers, that I would have this whole thing like figured out because I've had practice. Wrong. So wrong. I mean, I mean have y'all ever, have you just, it blows your mind that you can explain something a thousand times and it's, they still go, what? What do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you? Y'all gonna, mm, they're gonna make me lose, lose it. I can't say I'm gonna be reliving things about right now. My watch is gonna go, calm down. Stop thinking about your kids and calm down. I can't imagine that's probably what Paul is going with because, so these letters are written two different ways. The first letter that you're hearing in, in Corinth is, is Paul, it's more instructions. It's more, he's getting ready to kind of set the church up. He, a lot of the things that you and I have seen in church and the way we structure things out was done a lot of that. So Paul's like, okay, I've got everything figured out. I've told him what to do. I've told him what not to do. I should be able to walk away from this. These are good grown people and probably a lot of adults, so what could possibly go wrong? Everything went wrong, all right? Paul goes back, and I love how in his letters, uh, he's got to be such a, he, he's obviously a timid person because there's several times in the Bible, even when he's talking to him, he's like, listen, like, listen, I don't, I don't mean to get mean or anything. I'm not trying to get mad, but I'm just trying to help you out. Like he says it in such neat ways that he's trying to say, hear my heart on this, because that is what this book is about. Um, 
Paul has written about a third of the New Testament, and this is the one where they say Paul gets the most personable. And that is what I wanna center everything on today. I want anything that you hear from me today, I want you to think about everything from a personal level because this is where Paul's having to come in and really not just instruct people, but he's doing it through life. He's doing it through experience because not getting too much into Paul, Paul's kind of had a little bit of a rough life, right? Paul has made a lot of bad choices and we're gonna talk about later how maybe even some of those things have kind of come back and haunt him. Is there anybody in this room besides me who've experienced that same thing? It's like your past sometime is just right here. It's always right here. Let me, let me tell you, I'll give, I don't, I don't wanna discourage you. It's never gonna go away. But the difference is you learn how to not listen. Channel your inner teenager. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how different that would be for a brief moment spiritually? I'm going to be a teenager and whatever that voice is telling me to do, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah, I mean, all, listen, all of us at some point love having a little bit of that rebellious side. Right? You know, and sometimes we're like, oh, that rebellious, I mean, it can be a negative. No, that rebelliousness is what can, is that, that fight in you that we have. You know what I get frustrated by sometimes is, is, is very shallow pool believers. And even the, what's funny is the non-believers love to view God as just this weak, timid person. And, you know, and even, like I said, when I say believers, I've ever seen believers describe Jesus. And I'm like, did you, have you even read it? I saw somebody the other day, I don't even remember what it was on Facebook, but they put up this image. They, they, they took through Revelations and they had an artist draw what Jesus is going to look like based on Revelation. And it looked like something out of a Marvel movie. He had flames coming out of his eyes and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's who I want to follow. I'm not going to follow this little meek, timid. No, no, no. I want the one who's tossing tables because he's defending his father. Like that's the Jesus I want to follow. And then what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to get that through all these thick-headed believers. Because here's what starts to happen in, in Corinth. So what starts to happen is Paul is warning them against other believers and other teachers. And here's why. So uh, chapters one through seven, he's talking about personal inadequacy. And here's how this follows through. So I'm gonna summarize these. He describes these people as super apostles. Now, what these super apostles were is they were very, very rounded, well-polished speakers. I'm sure they were more than just charismatic. I'm sure they were, they were, they were good-looking. They were able to capture crowds' attention. They were able to say the things that people want to hear. Not that we don't have people like that today. Not pointing fingers by no means, because listen, they're gonna have to answer it for themselves. But my gosh, you can get on any kind of a podcast right now and find whatever you want to hear. I do believe there's an explosive movement in so many churches because, can I just say, I'm gonna be, I gotta be real for a minute. How many people are choosing the churches because they say things like, it just made me feel good. 
They, they say, man, they had, boy, their fog was next level than that church right down the road. If our church just would have had one more fog machine, we would look just like that. If we would have had those moving lights, if we would have had that, if our pastor would have dressed like that, dude, our church would go to the next level. None of them said, you never heard in any of the statements of, but it's where God wanted me to be. Because a phrase that changed my life is choices lead, feelings follow. Changed my life. How many times have we went church shopping and went, that church just made me feel good. You know, when, 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 when I was at Destiny and I came here because I really loved the pastor I was going to work with. And then six months later, he came in and he was like, yeah, we're moving. I'm like, dang it. I just moved my whole family here you know, working with you. And they're like, I don't know who they're going to be. And then I met Josh. And I met him some, I met him at a whole different thing. And then he come back and they're like, yeah, he's going to be the pastor. And I was like, all right, here we go. Let's see how this is going to work out. I don't want to move back to Georgia. I really don't. I love living in Florida. And I remember the very first time I heard him preach. Now, I don't know I don't know what gets you liking certain pastors. Everybody kind of has their own thing, right? Certain types of theological pastors or storytellers or whatever. I tend to lean more toward pastors who are great at real storytelling, like they're so transparent. Because I grew up seeing those pastors that's like, have they ever sinned? I can't, I can't relate to you at all. And I remember the first time I heard Pastor Josh speak, I went, that's the same guy I've been talking to all week. I can get, I can get behind this. And it's real. It's so funny. We'll talk during staff sometime. We'll talk about the, the thing. And I'm over there bragging like, bro, you were killing it for this weekend. And Wendy's over there sweating like, do you have to be that transparent? <laughs> that's a, but is that not what attracts you to the gospel? Because it's real. So what's happening, these apostles are tickling everyone's ear. They're saying things that they want to hear. And, and, and the Bible even describes Paul as Paul is, is kind of a meek and timid person. He's not the greatest speaker. He's not the greatest. He does it. He does. One of the big issues are these super apostles would also come after and list all the credentials they had to be able to say what they could say. But Paul didn't have any of that. Here's where I put the pause button for a minute and become real. Is anybody here like me deal with the demon? I'm gonna go ahead and call it a demon of comparison. I don't think we acknowledge how dangerous that demon is, that spirit can be. It's so strong, it doesn't matter what's in front of you, it can turn your head at any given moment and say, but... You don't amount to that. It had, man, those moments that I've had a chance to meet with other pastors and, and people who work in the churches, it, that demon eats my lunch because I'll be sitting across from people who've talked about they had a chance to work at this church and they graduated with this degree and, they had, and all these are great experiences that I'm glad they got to go through. And they got the intern over here and, and all these people got behind them and did this. And the whole time I'm hearing their, their great testimony, the only thing that I can say to them is, I, I do have a degree, degree at BYU. 
Backyard University. First in my class, baby, let me tell you. But you know what, though? We prayed over our graduates, and I, and I love people who are, who are driven, and they, and they have their plans and all these kind of things, and those are absolutely fantastic. There's, a, there's also a whole different group that was like myself. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to be, and still, since then, it's easy for me to look and see what I don't have instead of where God actually has me and what He's doing with me. And you know, it's I look, I look through some of that and say, well, God, this is where I need you to help me because he's not, God's saying, but I, you're, you're exactly where I want you to be. Why do you have to be who they are? I say this, that if you are sucking oxygen right now, it ain't over. And God has you breathing for a reason. Here's where, and this is where the inadequacy part takes over. Paul says, because he's preaching to the, he's preaching to the people because they're feeling so inadequate because they don't even know who they're following. They don't even know who they are. And then starting in chapter four, verse 16, Paul says, therefore, do not lose hope. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Wow. I can't think of what, what verb we should be able to just slap everybody back into place again because they're able to just see what's in front. Again, these super apostles are a whole different thing. I mean, they, they, these guys made their money. They were wealthy. They had everything all together. So it's getting everybody's minds on, this is what you need to obtain. Just like, I, just like in the prayer I said earlier about the enemy is so good at distracting you. And let me tell you, let, let, let me go ahead and wake you up a little bit. He's not just gonna distract you by bad things. He's gonna uh, distract you by good things. Don't think for a minute he's not going to take fun things of the world. It's not going to bring you any harm. But if he can put it in front of you and distract you, guess where you're not looking? Because it's all about what can I get? What can our next experience be? What's going to be the next thing? He's constantly getting you on a distraction versus what, what is eternal? What, what, what is happening? And it's amazing that sometimes our inadequacies is what can keep us from seeing that because we feel like we ain't qualified. I used to, uh, before coming into church, you know, I kind of told some of it before, I got to, you know, work jobs that had to do with cars and, and all those kind of things. Uh, definitely not a church environment. Um, so I was wound up working for this, this company and we did installs and stuff on trucks and cars and, uh, and that kind of a thing. But even as a, as a young adult, I was not making the wise of choices, but I was still a believer. I still, I still knew who God was and I was still trying to be who I was. Um, and at this moment, I was uh, managing a warehouse. We sold accessories and parts and stuff like that too. So in the warehouse, when, when I was doing inventory and stuff, I'd always would try to play some like Christian music or something like that. Um, usually I was able to play it uh, on my iPod. That was the size of this table. 
Yeah, you remember these guys? You had to plug it in. It didn't have no screen, right? You just had to jog. You found the right song, and like this is pretty cool. Uh, not that I downloaded any songs for free back in the day. <laughs> y'all remember LimeWire, Napster? Y'all remember all that? There's been more computer viruses from free songs than anything else in history. And in this environment, you know, in this, uh, this, this was, in a, it was a definitely a secular environment, but, but, I, but I loved it at all. And um, I, I had this one particular uh, coworker who was a good bit older than me, and we hired this guy. He was heading over in stalls and he had a great reputation for doing stereos and stuff like that. But he also had a great reputation of being just negative about everything because he loved to brag about being an atheist. Um, and I wish I knew a lot of things that I know now because a lot of times when I hear that term, I want to ask questions. Because sometimes I don't think they really are. I think they're just choosing to believe what they know they should be believing. And so there was always little, little drops. He, obviously, you could tell he didn't like Christians. And I was the only one that was definitely open about being that. So there was always these little things going on here and there, just kind of attacking me about stuff. And um, so uh, anyway, so one day I was on the forklift doing something and he stopped me and I thought, and he said, hey, I need to ask you a question about your church stuff. And I'm like, oh, because it was always something. It was always like the cheap, shallow shots about, well, churches, oh, why do you go? Because it's all about money. And it was always just something very shallow. And he said, hey, I want to ask you a question. I was like, all right, man, go for it. I have no idea what you're going to say, but go for it. Uh, and again, I'm summarizing. I'm trying to keep this very clean because there was a lot of just very great adjectives in this. He said, um, if, 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 if you're wrong and God doesn't exist, do you realize what you're missing out on? I was like, I don't understand. Well, if God didn't exist, you could be doing this. You could be experiencing this. You could go do, I mean, he's given me all these things that I could be experiencing, right? And he's like, you're not taking part of any of that. Like, why? If, what if you're wrong? And I was like, oh. This whole thing had to be a God moment because I was not ready for any of this. And I just, I didn't get defensive. I was just, okay, how do I, how do I be me? How do, how do I be honest? How do I not look like a religious person? I said, man, that's a good point. Okay, well, one of the things you said, I guess if I don't take part in that, then that lowers my chances of being an alcoholic. So uh, I guess there's an upside to that one. Uh, okay, well, if I don't take part in this one, uh, then it's going to drastically lessen my chances of having an STD and something I can't wash off. And last, if I don't do da, 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 then this will better my chances that I may actually have a marriage that will survive in kids who grow up and become something. And so I wasn't throwing the book at him and you're going to burn in hell and all this kind of stuff like that. And he was like, all right, you know, just kind of shrugged it off. He walked away. I said, hold on, hold on a second. And this, had, this is not my personality. I'm kind of should have been like, shot. I said, can I ask you a question? And he turns around. He's like, sure, to be fair. I said, same question. What if I'm right and you're wrong? Because of what what my religion is telling me is that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I said, dude, you're, you don't have a second chance when your breath stops. Everything that you enjoyed was temporary is now over for eternity. I said, mate, 
you're going to be missing out. And you know, there wasn't a salvation moment. Didn't have anything like that. He kind of just shook his head and was like, fair point. And we kind of went on. But here was a seed that was planted. After I got ready to leave that job, I wanted to do a couple of things. One, Bree had bought a car uh, and she had chose to buy this car because she researched it and it was the most efficient. It, it was great gas. And I'm going, well, why'd you pick that one? We research things tad differently. She would have things like, yeah, but it's just got great gas mileage. And I'm like, but if you would choose this car, you could get to the gas station faster. <laughs> so I still wanted to help her out. Y'all remember MTV's Pimp My Ride? Y'all remember that? I remember walking up to her going, I'm going to pimp your car. And she's like, don't ever do that again. We will divorce right now. Because I was still in the scene. Y'all remember the scene where everybody actually had cool stereos and we all went in debt for Crutchfield Magazine? Right? Like there were actually car clubs and people would, you know, meet up and hang out. It's like, that was, that was like the life that I was in. And I had this car that I was doing shows with it and everything. And again, this guy was such an expert at sound and stuff. And I was like, hey man, I want you to do my sound system for me, make it look good and I'll pay you for I leave. He's like, cool. So he had my car for about a week. Uh, and then it was my last day. He was like, hey, I got your car ready. And man, it, just, it was beautiful, everything that he, he did for me. Um, and, and when I got ready to leave, I said, man, tell me how much I owe you. He said, not a dime. I said, what? He said, I've never met a Christian like you before. And he said, you remember that day on the forklift? And I was like, never gonna forget it. He said, me neither. He said, I still don't know that I buy into your God. He said, but, but thanks for being real. And it changed my, and it's like, I felt so beyond adequate to say any of those things and I could have got all defensive and saw what was in front of me, but the Holy Spirit said, shut up and let me talk for a minute. I do think, we, 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 we say, let me change that phrase. Sometimes we say, I've heard people, you know, the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit like it's just apparition, like it's a second part. But Holy Spirit is a person, he's real, and all he's doing is saying, I am, just invite me in. How often do we give that moment that we sit back and go, shut up and let the Holy, let Holy Spirit speak through us? Because our inadequacy, goes completely out the window. One of the next things he talks about, Lloyd, let me give you the answer. Sorry, I skipped ahead. The answer to personal inadequacy, check this out, is grace. When you feel inadequate, when you feel like you can't do something, grace takes over. Here's, let me, if you can't get, I'm a visual person. And I read this years and years ago. They were building the Golden, Gate, the Golden Gate Bridge, right? And what was happening was they were following way behind in productivity, right? The, 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 the number of casualties was slowly coming up. Everything was slowing down. It was costing money. And they're like, what do we do? How do we speed this process up? Because time is money. And we can't be having people die at the same time. Like, so how do we fix this? So, this group came together and came up with a system. They came up with a net system that they actually installed underneath the bridge. Now, one of the problems was, was this net system worked so well, they had to hire management to keep the men from jumping off the bridge into the net. That just sounds like a bunch of men. 
Because you, you can imagine there had to be one person who actually fell and they went, oh, Bob made it. Watch this. You know one guy was like, I can do two backflips off this. Watch this. That just sounds like what a bunch of guys would do, right? Well, what was interesting was with zero training, with zero plan, the productivity went so fast, they actually were ahead of schedule and under budget building the Golden Gate Bridge. And all they did was add that net. The question is why? It's because grace. They had grace. They were still doing their job, but as soon as they would slip and fall, they were safe. They could get up and do it again. Do you know what's cool about that? There was no, well, you can only hit the net three times. They didn't say, well, if you fall five times, we're going to wind up removing the grace. What would happen if you understood the net that's underneath you and when you walked out these doors, zero fear? It would change, it would change our lives. Eight through, chapters eight through nine, he talks about poverty. And the reason how he talks about poverty is he's, he's not talking about them being poor. What he's talking about is the Corinthians were not managing their money the right way to kind of help others in Jerusalem and to bless others and how they were basically just not paying attention to their generosity to what they were able to do. They were holding on to things for themselves. Nine through six says, remember this, Paul taking gloves off. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Two things on that really quick. Not reluctantly and under compulsion. You know what those two things have in common? Feelings. Did we not say choices lead, feelings follow? Here's why. Because now, now you are reacting into your own flesh instead of what maybe the Holy Spirit would have you to do. Well, something quick happened to uh, Bree and I this week. And this has, this has nothing to do with, oh, look what we did. This is boasting what opportunities the Lord will create. Remember, when you bless someone, if you look at it in a way of the Lord gave me the opportunity to bless them, you can boast in that all day. Because guess what? You don't get the glory. When you say, I gave something versus the Lord gave me an opportunity to give something, that's a whole different conversation. This was on a Wednesday and we decided on, hey, let's go have a date because we're so grateful for Pastor Leah and the babysitting wonderful job that she does with our student ministries. Uh, I totally get why students were coming to my youth ministry every week. It's because parents were like, here, bye, see you. So we decided on, you know what, let's go have a little bit of a lunch date together while, while the boys are doing their thing. And we, 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 we had something in mind. So we went to go uh, eat at this restaurant. And literally as we get there, they were chaining it up because they had closed. Now, 
I don't know what pauses your salvation like mine. But have you ever, when you have something in mind, especially that it's food related, and they're either closed or they look at you and go, sorry, we're out. My watch is about to go off and tell me to calm down again. That's, woo! It, only in America do we get set off and, what do you mean you don't have that? That is why I came here today. Well, just like the perfect Christian that I am, I was like, oh, this, this is great. No, I, I can tell you what it gets me. Bree knows, like, with me, I am not, I get quiet. Like, I, I'm different. Like, I know Pastor William have seen that with me in the office. Like, the more quiet I get, Bree's like, stay away. Like, I just, I bottle it in. I'm like, I'm doing the Christian, I'm doing the, I'm doing the Christian thing right now. Just don't touch me. Right? So I told Bree, I was like, okay, I guess we'll just go to this other restaurant that we kind of thought about going to anyway, so let's just go. So we go, and we go to sit down. Our waitress comes up, sweet girl, um, knows us by name. We definitely means we go way too much to this restaurant, even when they know you're kids. And we're like, my, because we had Declan, we had our little one with us. And, but I noticed just something wasn't right. And Bree, just the compassionate person she is, she said, she said, are you okay? And she just started crying. And the girl said, well, there was a bit of a disagreement with some new management. Um, I put my two weeks notice in. We're like, oh, and, you know, and, and uh, she said, I actually just put it in. I came into work today and they told me today was my last day. But she didn't even get near the two weeks to put in. And she's got a little boy. And um, we were just like, man, I was just so sorry. And we, we felt bad for her and everything. So Bree is usually the one who... Um, is gonna is gonna really talk to. She's really gonna be the extroverted person. It's kind of like if you guys have ever for a half a second talked to Pastor Josh's dad, Mr. Larry. Like, I want to be part of Pastor Larry. Like, I want to be that person. I want to be that comfort. He walks down the street and will talk to anyone and tell them that Jesus loves them. And I'm like, that terrifies me. Which is crazy because I have no problem doing this, but one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, <sighs> like. It's just not my gifting. And you ever have that where something is telling you to do something good and you're like, but am I supposed to? I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with these. I was dealing with this at that moment. The Lord was already trying to speak through me while, while we were sitting there having that dinner. And, I, and it's so funny because me and Pastor Josh talk about this too. It's amazing how when we'll write a sermon sometime, I swear we will go through opposing things that very week because I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, but do you? You're gonna tell these people something, but do you? And I remember going, okay. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it did. You're all a little fuzzy right now. Because what, I, what I've had people say, well, how do I know it was God? How do I know it was Holy Spirit telling me to do something? And I said, well, here's, the, here's one of the indicators. If it's gonna uplift someone and it's gonna move them and you can find a fruit of the Spirit, the enemy will not lead someone to heaven. They won't. So anyway, I'm sitting there. I didn't share any of this with Bree. I'm dealing with all this internally. And I'm like, what do I do? And I was like, okay, well, maybe when it comes to the tip, I'm just gonna give them... X amount of dollars. It's like, okay. And then as the tip, uh, get ready to do that. Again, nobody can see me writing anything. 
it was like I was settled with that. And then God said, ah. I want you to change it to this. And I went, oh. <laughs> have y'all been out to eat anytime lately? Like, we went through a drive-thru the other day, and it was like 50 some dollars at a fast food drive-thru. I'm like, I got to take a loan out to eat. And when I had that figure, I went, that is definitely not you, God. That is the enemy lying right now. Because that, no. And again, this is nothing, like this, this is going to, this is going to, we're going to feel it. It's, it's, it's one thing when you give something and you're like, here, hope you enjoy. It's one thing when you give something and go, But you know what? I remember, I remember, I've heard it from Pastor Josh. I've heard so many pastors going, you can't outgive God. I've also heard Jesus say, I'm giving you your one opportunity to test me right now. And he's not always talking about money. Let's go ahead and get that clear. So Bree didn't even see it. I wrote it. I told her we're praying for best wishes. We walk outside and then Bree says something. She's like, I just, I saw the ticket. I saw what you did, and I'm like, mm-hmm, is that good? Is it okay? Because uh, the Lord told me to do it, and I mean, you've got to take it up with him. I'm just, and let me tell you what, I had zero problems with her. I'm going to try that this afternoon at Bass Pro Shop and see how that goes. I'm going to be like, Bree, the Lord said to be fishers of men with a big boat. Think how many small groups I can take on this boat. I might need some marital counseling after that, Pastor Josh. But she said that was okay. We got ready to go to the car, and we heard someone scream, wait. This young girl was in a full-out sprint and just borderline tackles Bree. And just is crying. She said, I cannot thank y'all enough for this. Here here is where God did something for me, where he blessed me more than I think he blessed her. He said, she said, it wasn't the money you gave me. I heard the Lord say, I see you. The moment she said that, I turned around going, be a man, be a man. (laughs) Woo, be a man. And you got to watch what you do because she said, you're with that Hope City Church, right? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Because if that would have been a negative thing, I'd have been like, no, I'm from the other church up the road. (laughs) She said, me and my son definitely don't have a church home. She said, but we got some things going on. We're, We're coming. I said, you should. I can't speak for other churches, but we have a lot of real people, and that's what you need. And I'm telling you, when I, you, you want to get fired off about something? I got in the car, and I told Bree, I was like, we're about to go empty out our savings account. She's like, <laughs> you, you, you could, like, I was just like, God, you, you, for her to use those exact phrases, because I really thought the dollar amount, I really thought she was going to come back and say, this is what I needed to get my bills paid. And she said, it wasn't even the money. It was God saying that I see you. Wow. So what if, and that's what Paul is pushing. Paul is pushing that even more because he says the answer to poverty is generosity. 
And he's not talking about just money. He's talking about your time. He's talking about your talent. He's talking about whatever it is. Give, 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 give. I, I talked to a church member some years ago and they were going through just, it just seemed like it was something all the time. And I remember asking them like, how are you, what is your relationship with God? How are you making it through this? And you know what they said? I'm serving my way out of this. Like, well, what do you, what do you mean? They said, if I just look at what's going on with me, it's never going to stop. But the moment I put my eyes past myself on other people, I feel God's grace. And they said it's one of the most, and this person had talked about being an addict in the past. They said, this is the most addictive thing I've ever been to. It's just getting, getting everything off of me. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to push. But he said, things aren't going to always get easy because in chapters 10 through 13, painful attacks. You know, thinking about this with Paul, Paul went through, you got to think about how different his life was because before he had his experience with God, he thought he had his whole religious thing figured out. Paul was well off as he was absolutely destroying every Christian he could find. Just everything about his life, from a worldly perspective, Paul had everything laid out. It was comfortable. But when he had an experience with God, things changed. Oh man, how things changed. Paul, the Bible even gives a description that Paul had a thorn in his side. Now, a lot of theologians have debated like, what is that thorn? You hear things from, it could have been uh, epilepsy. It could have been, been a health challenge. It could have been, and most likely could also have been his past because it was always there. And Paul could have said, I, I wonder like, do you think he ever had those moments with God and, and, and was, I'm, I'm telling you, if you just be real with God, let me give you that for a second. Quit trying to quote words, quit trying to do something and just have a freaking conversation with him. He can take it. Tell him how you're struggling with your faith. Tell him how God, it doesn't make sense. I don't even know why you're not answering this. Tell him because he can handle it. He already knows it's there. He's just waiting on you to say something. You're not gonna say anything where God's gonna go, didn't see that coming which is why he's waiting on you to have that conversation. And it makes me wonder, did Paul ever sit there and say, God, I gotta be real. Before you showed up, my life was so much easier. I could do what I wanted to do. I could buy whatever I wanted to buy. I could literally control my entire life. I don't want anything to do with this. If Paul had been focusing on here, it makes you wonder how this would be different. Let's, 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 let's now put that in a personal, can I connect that just for a second? If you were to live based on this, you may not have an effect on this. Because this all goes back to that inadequacy. As soon as I said that, somebody in this room went, I don't know if I can do that. You're breathing, aren't you? You know what I say? Me and Pastor Josh will say this too after a sermon. Somebody will ask us how it is or whatever. Me and him usually say the same thing. I am just trying to reach one person. I'm trying to get where two or more are gathered. And if I can connect with one person in this room, then I'm like, God, it was all worth it. 
If that's all you need. And there may very, may, there very well may be some of y'all in this room that you only impact and change one person. But don't minimize that because what if you were that key because nobody else could reach that person and that person changes a multitude and that never would have happened if it wasn't for you. Man, it changes. That's where the whole generosity, everything changes so much because we get so caught up in the pains, the tribulations. God, why are you not answering this? And let me tell you, this is where Paul says, I'm not giving you any. This is where he does what those super apostles wouldn't do. I'm not tickling your ears and saying, ah, I'm gonna give you a word. Here's what he says in 12.9. He said, for my grace is sufficient for you. He said, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. He's saying, God, your power is made so perfect. The more weaker I get, therefore I will boast all more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Can you imagine how different it is if we started looking at our weaknesses that way? We're, we're, we're raised in such a culture. It's amazing how it shifts. You know, I, I know when I was a kid, and it's amazing how they're battling this now, that if you're a man, don't show it. Don't show no emotions. You can't be weak. You know, now I feel like things are shifting in different ways of we want you to be weak, but not in the right way. Huh. A little bit. It, that's, that's challenging. Just thinking about from that moment again. But what Paul is encouraging people to do is saying, you don't understand. The weakness is a physical, tangible example of what God and who God is. Because then it can be seen. Because if you got it all together, then what room does God have in any of this? You know what Paul is doing at this moment in his life is why so much of the church is based off of that. Because it doesn't make sense. It, 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 our life would change if the moment that weakness, and it will, just like that past, when that weakness is having that conversation with you here, here's what we tend to do sometimes. We start going, oh, I hope I don't give into it again. I, I, I gotta, all these, you, you start getting your hearts pounding, you start getting worried. You, 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 you so focus on not failing that you actually fail again because you start focusing on the weakness and then you stop for a minute and say, but God. I can picture, I, I, personally, I can remember those moments where I felt weakness coming on so strong. And one of the hardest things for me to do is say, God. Because here's what we do. When those weaknesses come and we're, we're weak, we're stinging, it hurts. It's talking to us. What we tend to do is keep it in arm's distance. And that's the problem because it's a safety instead of pushing it to the side so much where you're like, God, I'm, 
I'm looking this way. I want to look this way. Comparison, distraction, my past, anxiety, all of this is yelling at me. But God, all these painful attacks, everything is coming after me, which the answer to painful attacks is simply God. Which is exactly what Paul said I'm boasting in. Let me read this verse for you. This is one of my favorite verses. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart and lean on your own understandings in your way submit to him and he will make your path straight. All not in all. This may be simply one of the hardest things you will ever do. There is no one foot in, one foot out. In all your ways, with all of your heart, not with the squishy thing between your ears. And when I say that out loud, I'm saying it so my squishy thing will hear. Because I'm a very person who I like to plan things out. I like to have things figured out. I'll be honest with you, so much of this message, the amount of anxiety I felt like I had from this weekend because I just couldn't get it together the way I wanted to. And every time I got, I was telling Bree about it, I said, I don't, she asked me last night, how do you feel? I said, not good. And I said, but the moment I got quiet and told myself to shut up, <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, let me talk for a minute. Because sometimes we get so scripted when we feel like we know what we need to say. And God is going, but did you give me room? My, my, my closing challenge for you is this. You want to serve yourself? You want to, to get out of a, a spot or a hole or whatever that may be? Grace generosity and God will change the face of this planet. It doesn't take a large wallet. It doesn't take a lot of physical ability. It takes who and how God you created you to be. Stop looking to the left. Stop looking to the right. Stop listening to the voice that's behind you and be who God called you to be because grace is more sufficient than anything you can ever conjure up. God is that safety net. Let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that, Lord, that we walk out of here, God, just so... Encouragement is temporary. God, I want to stay focused, motivated toward being who you want us to be. Lord, it doesn't matter who we come across, Lord. Maybe it's just the simplest gestures. But Holy Spirit, would you whisper to us? Would you tell us the people to talk to, what to say, how to be generous, how to be that example? Because there's more people who needs to be seen by you. Lord, let us just be our hands and feet. God, give us the strength. Give us the know-how. Help us push past the inadequacies that we have on the inside of us. Lord, your word says 
that you have made and ordained us righteous. How much more do we need? May we walk in that way. May we hold our heads high. Our past does not dictate us. Our past is what made us who we are today. And Lord, we're gonna just share that testimony just to the fullest of the potentials. For we praise and we honor you and everyone said, I hope you guys have a great holiday weekend. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.